Turn with me in the scriptures to the book of Psalms, Psalm 34, and get ready. Prepare your heart to receive some good things from our good God. Hallelujah. Psalm 34, 8. Says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody say, The Lord Lord is is good. good. Verse 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good. Thing is added by the translators. Any any good. And he goes on to say in verse 12, What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? You know, you don't want to live a long time just to live a long time. Hmm? You don't want to just exist. You want to live. Right? You don't want to just breathe. You want to abound. (laughs) Right? Well, here's the uh, instructions for life. If you want to see a a lot of days and and good days, experience good, what do you do? Verse 13. Watch your mouth. (laughs) Watch your mouth. Is it that simple? You want to live a good life? Watch your mouth. Life not as good as you'd like for it to be? Check that mouth. You want things to go better? Make adjustments to that mouth. Isn't it amazing? The answer has been right under your nose this whole time. <laughs> Keep your tongue from what? Now, we don't use the word evil that much in our modern vernacular. You'll find it frequently in the scriptures. Probably what we'd say today is bad. Instead of saying evil, we say bad. And that is the connotation, the meaning. And it is the opposite of good. Well, back up. What's he talking about? Verse 12. You want to see what? Good. If you want to see good, verse 13. Don't talk bad. If you want to see good, don't talk bad. Well, do you know what you should talk? Good. Speak good if you want to see good. Folks don't realize what they're doing to themselves when they're grumbling all the time. Griping and finding fault and speaking ill and negative. And the enemy will tempt you to speak bad and evil over yourself and everybody around you and everything. It's a foolish thing to cuss your lawnmower, <laughs> to kick your car, and say, this piece of junk, it probably won't even get to work tomorrow. This is the sorriest car I've ever had, if you say so. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it'll be so unto you. <laughs> if you believe it in your heart, and you say it with your mouth. And then people get mad. That washer is only six months old. It's just a piece of junk. It's the sorriest thing. It won't do this. And it won't do that. People don't realize. Are you talking good? That's all bad. So what can you expect? Bad. Do you want good? Then you have to walk by faith. And and you really have to walk by faith when something's not looking good and it's not turning out good right now. That's when it's time to get your little mouth in gear and start speaking some good over it. If something just came apart and fell in the floor or left you by the side of the road, it's not time to stand out there and cuss and shake your fist if you got any spiritual smarts. It's time to sit there and go, Lord, I thank you that I am blessed going out and I am blessed coming back in. Everything I put my hand to, 
everything prospers. Just like the Israelite shoes didn't close, didn't wear out in the wilderness, my stuff just lasts and lasts. If your refrigerator's making a sound, you need to put your hand on it and say, "This is a, you're a good refrigerator. You will run good. You will keep stuff cold as long as I need you. Is that right? Even be a blessing to the next guy that gets you, if somebody else gets you. Do you want to see good? Then you have to speak good. Keep your lips from speaking guile or deception. Keep your tongue from speaking evil. Verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Why? Because I want good. I can't do bad and expect to get good. I can't talk bad and expect to get good. I mean, this is simple enough. Three-year-old could get this, right? But you want good? Do good. You want good? So good. Invest good. You want good? Speak good. And it will come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together and running over. Multiply. Now, uh, go with me, please, to... Psalm 119, you don't have to turn there, but I will just read them to you and then I want you to say them. Psalm 119.68 says, you are good and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. The Living Bible says, you are good and do only good. The message says, you are good and the source of good, train me in your goodness. Hallelujah. Psalm 73 and 1. It says, the Young's literal says, only good to Israel is God. Only good. Somebody say, only good. Psalm 52, 1. Psalm 52, 1 says, the goodness of God endures continually. Young's literal translation says, the kindness of God is all the day. That's the literal rendering. God is good all day long. That scripture, God's word, says it like that. Sometimes the same word translated mercy or kindness is also translated good or goodness. Well, mercy is good. Loving kindness is goodness. Is that right? Say it out loud, God is good. good. He's only good. good. God is good all day long. Is Is there ever a time in the day when God's not good? He's good all day. In the morning, you get up. God is good. Lunchtime, come on, help me out. God is good. Supper time, dinner time, God, God is good. Time to lay down and go to bed. God is good in the middle of the night. God is good. God is good all day long. He's good. He's the source of good. He's only good. He's all good. He's good all day long. You believe it? Now go with me to Isaiah, please. The fifth chapter. Just because you know something doesn't mean your spirit didn't need to hear it again. Just because you ate a potato 10 years ago (laughs) doesn't mean you don't need to eat another potato. Because that potato you ate 20 years ago is not helping you today. Isaiah 5. I actually thought I had a a message on this last night. And it's almost like you ever saw them show things that are cells that are alive and reproducing. You look at them under a microscope, the cell gets bigger and bigger, then it splits and becomes two. And they get bigger and bigger. That's what happened to me last night. My sermon got bigger and bigger, then it split, turned into two messages. I thought, I got to pick one of these now. (laughs) This keeps happening. Well, it is alive. His word is alive. Is that right? quick and powerful in life. Well, 
I was ready to get into one aspect of it, but the Lord dealt with me that we needed to revisit a thing and uh, take us further into this. In Isaiah 5 and 20, Isaiah 5, 20, says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness and put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. This is a widespread problem. That people think they are smarter than other people and so they complicate things. Are there a lot of people who think they are more intelligent than the average person? Especially simpletons like us who are religious in their mind. Who rely on the crutch of religion. And all of that's wrong. I'm quoting them. But because of that, what they wind up doing is mixing everything up. And they'll call good evil. And they call evil good. Look at it again in verse 20. Woe unto them. How many understand woe? It doesn't mean it's going to turn out good for you. Woe means it's going to go bad. It's going to go bad for them that call evil good. And call good evil. And put darkness for light and light for darkness. And bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Is anybody doing this in the world? Is anybody doing this in the church? It's happening all over the place. People are calling bad things good. And people are calling good things bad. If you want good, what do you have to do? You have to speak good and do good. In Malachi, you don't have to turn there, but Malachi 2.17. Malachi 2.17 says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. I don't want to do that, do you? What does that mean? In other words, the Lord is tired of hearing it. He don't want to hear it anymore. Yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? When you say everyone that does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them, or where is the God of judgment? One of the things that we've gone over repeatedly in this series is that God is good. He's only good. He is not the author of any evil. Evil doesn't come from him. Are there any Christians attributing evil to God? You know they are. And so people go to school and get degrees and decide that it's much more complicated than an outward scan would indicate. That actually bad, bad things in life can be blessings in disguise. Pausing for effect. (laughs) That this, you know, losing, you know, everything financially and winding up on the street. I mean, I don't like it, but maybe it's good for me. You know, being sick and having to spend all my time at the doctor and spend all my money and not being able to work and not being able to be there for my family. You know, it's. Uh, it, it, it's, it's sure hard and rough on you, but you know, we don't really know what's best for us. You know, if, if the Lord knows this is what I need. Are there any Christians doing this? All over the place. What are they doing? They're calling evil good. It's happening all over the place. What's going to be to the person that calls evil good? Whoa. It ain't going to turn out good. In fact, it's much more serious than we've known and seen. I saw that last night clearer than I've seen it before. This is serious stuff. You don't call evil what God calls good. Unless you want to get in trouble. And unless you want to forfeit some precious things out of your life. 
In fact, it's the very definition of blasphemy. Blasphemy is speaking evil of God. It's vilifying, slandering him. It's quiet in here. How many understand it's a bad thing to call good evil? And also, according to the word, it's a bad thing to call evil good. By the, you know, let's keep talking about this. In fact, you go with me to uh, Matthew 12. Matthew 12. People call evil good. Is cancer good? Cancer is not good. There is not one good thing about it. People say, well, I got closer to God and God healed me, so it was good. Getting closer to God is good. Getting healed is good. Cancer's bad. Everything about it is bad. AIDS is bad. There are no redeeming qualities about sickness and disease. There is nothing good about heart trouble. Not one thing. Well, now hold on there, preacher. God knows what he's doing. So what did they just get through doing? Attributing evil to God. They're saying God is the cause and source of cancer. People attribute every storm to him, every earthquake, every tsunami. We don't know why God did that. How about he didn't? How about he didn't? And how about you better watch about getting in trouble attributing evil things to a good God? If you want to break the cycle, you want to get out of it, you've got to quit calling evil good. And you've got to quit calling good evil and get it straight. God is good. The devil is bad. Healing is good. Sickness is bad. Abundance is good. Poverty and lack is bad. It ain't complicated. It's not complicated. But see, people think they're so smart that they just realize things you and I don't realize. That it's not that simple. It's actually quite complicated. Of course, they're complicated people. Complicated individuals, which is a code word for confused. Confused. No, get enlightened, find out the truth, and get free. Somebody say, get free, get free, get free. Poverty's bad. Plenty is good. Sickness is bad. Healing is good. Y'all are just that health, wealth, gospel club. I sure ain't going to join the sickness poverty club. No, we don't, we don't have to be ashamed of being healed and being prosperous. Or even if we're not quite there, of going for it. Right? We don't have to be ashamed of that. We don't have to make apologies for that. I don't have to resign myself to a life of lack and, and sickness and weakness. I don't have to. Why? Because if it's coming from God, well, yeah, I should submit to it. Which would mean don't try to get better. See, it's hypocrisy when people say, well, maybe God sent this disease on me. Well, then don't you dare go to the hospital or the doctor and try to get rid of it, try to get out of the will of God. Which one do you believe? See, it just don't even make sense. People say, well, maybe God, you know, caused me to lose everything. And yet they go out and try to get it back. Both of those can't be right. The problem is people are confused about what's good and what's bad. Are you there in Matthew 12, 30? Matthew 12, 30. Jesus said, he that's not with me is against me. Are you with him or against him? He said, well, I, I don't know. Then you're against him. I'd made up my mind. Then you're against him. That's what he said. Well, I'm on the fence. No, you're against him. He that's not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters abroad. Keep reading. Wherefore I say to you, 
Wherefore, joins these two, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but to blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Is this serious? This is serious. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Verse 32. Whoso speaks a word against the Son of Man, this is speaking against, speaking bad about, speaking evil of. It'll be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it'll not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Is this serious? Now, if you look at the other passages, the situation this came up over was they accused Jesus of casting out evil spirits by the devil. Basically, they called the Holy Spirit the spirit of the devil. Are they calling good evil? And he's warning them of how serious what they're doing is. Do you know similar things are happening today across the body of Christ? How many churches would boldly say that speaking in tongues is of the devil? Or God move and a healing and a miracle occur and the Lord did it. And people say, I don't know about how that's all that. You know, that that could be sorcery or something. It's real simple, friend. If you don't know where it came from, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Is that right? Don't go to talking against something and and it could be the Lord. And you're calling something the Lord did evil. Is it serious business, saints? It is serious business. Now, uh, go with me. To the book of, in the Old Testament, we're going to look at Numbers, we're going to look at Deuteronomy. The Lord dealt with me to revisit this. We touched on this a while back, but uh, we didn't get enough of it. So here we're going to get another dose. You ready? Numbers 13. I won't take the time to go into all the scriptures that reveal God telling his people that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage that he had chosen for them a good land. There must be a dozen scriptures where he said the land that I've chosen for you it's a good land. Is that, I mean, anybody remember some of these? It's a good land. It flows with milk and honey. I, I send rain on it. You can get iron out of the hills and, and he talked about the fruit of it. Somebody say good land. Good land. land. Who called it good? God called it good. And what God calls good, don't you call bad. Hmm? What God calls clean, don't you call unclean. What God joins together, don't you separate. Is that right? Well, who would you be to come behind God? And he said, this is good. And you say, no, it ain't. It's bad. You're the ones about to get some woe. (laughs) I don't want no woe. I want some wow. (laughs) Leave off the woe. Get the wow. You know who's going to get the wow? The ones that agree with God. And if he says it's good. I say, Lord, that's right. That's good. And he says, it's yours. You go, that's right. It's mine. It's good. And it's mine. (laughs) Phyllis has two little dogs. They're dandies. Little shih tzus. Little boy and little girl dog. And uh, little girl dog, if it's good, she thinks it's hers. (laughs) One of them's named Manny. One of them's named Casey. Little boy dog's white. And he's he's third bigger than Casey, right? He's way bigger than her. He's a boy dog. And the little little black uh, grayish girl dog. Well, if they get a treat or they get a chew, she'll get hers. Put it aside somewhere. And if she sees, looks like he's really enjoying his, she'll just go get it and take it out of his mouth. And then go lay on hers and chew his. <laughs> And he'll just look at her. <laughs> then he'll look at Phyllis. <laughs> like, aren't you going to do something about that? 
But she basically has this mentality, if it's good, it must be mine. (laughs) Well, that'd go a long way in being a child of God. Is that right? How many people think, you know, how many people have gotten so much junk in church until they think if it's good, well, that probably is not for me. You know, if I want it, it's probably, you know, I'm going to wind up with something else because, you know, surely as I want it, then I ain't going to get it and and uh, and who knows? It might not be what I need because I, I don't know what I need. God knows what I need, and He may know that I need a big bump on the head and and some more hard knocks. And huh? God is a good God. His plan for us is a good plan. The things that He has prepared for us, good things. Better than you and I have thought and imagined. Is it true or not? He said, I know the thoughts I think about you. Good thoughts. Good thoughts. Thoughts of peace. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. So the Lord had told them this repeatedly. It's a good land. It's a good land. It's a good land. Well, Moses, in Numbers 13, 17, he sent the twelve spies, one from each tribe, to go spy the land of Canaan. And he said to them, get you up this way southward, go to the mountain. And verse 19, Numbers 13, 19, see what kind of land it is, whether it's good or bad. What are they supposed to find out? What did the Lord tell them? It's good land. What did Moses say? Well, go in there and see it and come back and tell us. They never seen it before. Up to this point, all they've heard is God told them it was good land. So, and see what kind of, see if it's good or bad, and what kind of cities they are. They went and did it. And you remember they brought back some of the fruit of it. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Was it a good land? Yes. Man, you never saw such advertisements on Miracle Grow. <laughs> is that right? Oh, yeah. Clusters of grapes, so big. It took two men to carry one on a staff. This is some serious produce. Is that right? And the whole land was that way. Oh, somebody say good land, good land, good land, good land. And skip down to about verse 31, 13, 31. The men that went up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. They said, yeah, yeah, it's got some nice produce, but there's giants in the land. And the walls are walled up to heaven. No way you can get through. And these people are sky high. I mean, they're 10, 12, 13 foot tall. We look like a little grasshopper to them. They mush us. They just step on us and crush us. Verse 32, and they did what? They did what? They brought up a what? What would we say today? Bad. Bad report of the, what kind of land was it? Good land. But what kind of report did they give it? Bad report. God said it's good. It's A plus land. They gave it an F. They said, no, it's bad. They said the land through which we've gone to search it out, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. Is that a good land? It's a land of death. It's a land that will eat you up. Is that what God told them? No. He said it's a good land where you're going to have houses you didn't build. You're going to have vineyards. You're going to have gardens. You're going to have all this stuff. It's a good land. You're going to thrive. You're going to flourish. And your kids and your grandkids. And what they say? They said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's a land where you will die. You go in there, they will eat you up. You will die. They called evil what God called good. Go to Deuteronomy, the first chapter. This is a retelling of this account. Deuteronomy 1. 25, they took of the fruit of the land in their hands, and they brought it down to us, and they brought us word again. It's a good land which the Lord our God gives us. 
Verse 35, he said, surely there shall not one, verse 35, Deuteronomy 135, surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swore to give to your fathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he will see it. To him I'll give the land that he's trodden upon and to his children, because he has wholly followed the Lord. Verse 38, Joshua, the son of Nun. Now let me stop right here. Who out of all those folks had a good report about the land? Who got to see the good land? Did the people that brought the bad report and called it evil, did any of them get to enjoy it? If you call evil what God calls good, it's still good, you just won't get to enjoy it. Can you see this, friend? This is happening right and left. I want you to notice in verse 39, he said, Moreover, your little ones, which you said should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they, they what? They had no knowledge of what? They'll go in there, and I'll give it to them, and they'll possess it. Why were they exempted from the judgment? They didn't know the difference between good and bad. But the people who did know the difference between good and bad, Saw good, heard God call it good, and then turned around and said, no, it's bad. They didn't get to see it. They didn't get to enjoy any of it. This is serious business. Isn't it? This is serious business. In 1 Kings 3 and 5, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you. 1 Kings 3 and 5, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. In a dream by night. And, and God said, ask what I shall give you. How about that? God asked him, ask me what you want me to give you. Whew. Is he a good God? And verse 9, Solomon said, give me, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern What? Give me discernment and understanding so I can tell the difference between good and bad. So I can be able to be a good king and judge your people. And verse 10, and the speech pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord that he asked for that. Oh, can you say thank you, Lord? And God said to him, because you have asked this thing. And have not asked for yourself long life. You didn't ask riches for yourself. You didn't ask for the life of your enemies. But you asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment specifically to know the difference between good and bad. Behold, I have done according to your words. I've given you a wise and understanding heart. There's none like before you. There'll not be any arise after you. And I've given you what you didn't ask for. The riches and the honor. Hallelujah. Can you see, if you get the good versus bad right, you get all the other. If you call the good good, you're going to get the good. If you love the good and you agree with God about what's good, you're going to see good. You're going to experience, you're going to dwell in the good. But if you think you're smarter than everybody else, and you're going to call the good evil. Then you have judged yourself unworthy of it. And you won't get to experience it. Go with me please. To the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts 19. This covers everything. From the new birth. To healings. To needs being met. It covers all these things, all these good things. Don't call evil what God calls good. Don't call good what he calls evil. In Acts 19.9, Paul preached to the people. And when divers were hardened and believed not, and they spoke evil of that way before the multitude. 
What did they do about what Paul was preaching? They spoke bad about it. They spoke evil of it. Now back up to Acts 13 and notice what he had already told them about what would happen when you do that. Does it make any difference when you hear a message what you say about it? If a message is really from the Lord and really came by revelation of the Spirit and anointing of the Spirit and is good, does it matter what you say about that? It matters more. I'm sure more than that's why the Lord said, Y'all got to go back and look at this again. Can you see why he said that? We we need to get better settled in this. How many hundreds of thousands of church going folks and meeting going folks, they come, they sit, don't have pay attention, don't care what they say about it at lunch after the message, and don't think it makes any difference in their life. And if it was just something that came out of a man or a woman, it don't make much difference. But if it came from the Lord, if somebody sought him and heard it from him and got it from him, and it came out by revelation of the Holy Spirit, and it came out by anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you scoff at that, and you mock that, and you call that bad, and call it wrong, woe, Is that right? Woe to you because you're not going to enjoy any of the good of the thing God said was good. These people spoke evil of what Paul was preaching to them about Jesus being the fulfillment of Scripture and being the Savior and being the Redeemer. Do you think those folks got saved that day? No, they didn't. Look in the 13th chapter, 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes... Acts 13.45, after Paul had preached, and then the next Sabbath day the crowds were big, they were filled with envy, and they spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now if you read this whole passage, a week ago, these guys were on the bandwagon with Paul. They're like, man, I like this message. I like this. They were the leaders in the synagogues until next Sabbath day they broke all records for attendance. Then they felt insecure and envious. And they began to do what? Speak against the things that Paul was preaching. Why? Because they genuinely disagreed with the doctrine. They liked it last week. <laughs> See, this is they're not being honest. And so they're calling his message bad when they know it's good. This is serious business. I said, this is serious. When you know the difference between good and bad, and you decide to say it's bad when you know better, whoa, you're going to miss out. You're going, to, you're going to forfeit some things. They were filled with envy. They spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Well, here's the thing, though. Did Paul make this up himself? Or did the Lord give it to him? Then who are they blaspheming? Who are they speaking against? They're looking at Paul. They're looking at a preacher. But guess who's hearing their blasphemies? Who's it really against? Keep reading. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold, and they said, It was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you. But seeing that you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, we're going to go give it to the Gentiles, and they'll receive it. Who judged themselves unworthy of the best What is the gospel? Good news. Who judged themselves unworthy of the best news and the best gift that's ever been given? They did. They judged themselves unworthy of it so that they didn't get it. They didn't enjoy it. But as preachers, we shouldn't fall off our chair when folks don't receive the message. 
Jesus, some received it, some rejected it. With Paul, some received it, some rejected it. And I believe they did a top-notch job preaching and teaching it. I don't believe it was because of any deficiency in the way they ministered it that justified people rejecting it. So, you and I, any minister is going to just need to be under, understand and expect. There's going to be some folks that don't like you and that speak evil of the message. What I do is I, I feel sorry for them. If it's really from God, because what they are doing, all they're doing is shooting themselves in the foot. Why would you fight against healing? You're going to need some tomorrow afternoon. Why would you fight against prosperity? Did I lose somebody? Why would you fight against prosperity? You're going to need to pay your bills into the week. Why would you fight against it? But see, it's so convoluted and it's been complicated even from pulpits where the people go, I, I don't want any of this world's goods. This world's what? <laughs> you don't want any goods. No, all that's bad. I, I don't want all that money. I don't want all that stuff. I don't want all them houses and lands. I don't want all them vehicles. I don't want. Yeah, you just don't want to be able to do anything for people or for the kingdom. You call them bads and you won't get the goods. How many remember when the woman came and brought that alabaster box of uh, perfume? It was concentrated, it was pure. It was worth probably a year's of today's average wage. It was what? Thirty, forty $40,000? Depending on what you're going to compare it to. Depending on, it was an average day laborer's wage. So she takes, let's just say, 30 grand. She takes 30 grand and she breaks the box and dumps it on his feet. And the fragrance filled the house and went out the windows and the doors. And this is a one-shot deal. Is that right? His feet are going to smell amazing for a few hours. And then that's it for $30,000. And if what a lot of people believe is true, what would Jesus have done and said? He'd have said, woman, 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 what have you done? Haven't I taught y'all better than this? You could have used this to feed people and house people and clothe people. But it wasn't him that said that. It was somebody else. Does anybody know who said this should have been sold for X amount of money and given to the poor? Who said that? Judas. Iscariot. Now is it true that a lot of people's mentality about these things has more in common with Judas Iscariot than it does with Jesus of Nazareth? And they think they're smarter than all of us because it's more complicated than that. What did Jesus say? He said, leave her alone. She has wrought a good work on me. He called blowing 30 grand for a few hours of smell good. Come on, are y'all with me? He called that. Jesus called it a good work. We need mind renewal. It's not an either or proposition. You know what else he said in that same passage? He said, the poor are always with you and you can help them whenever you want to. What's he saying? You can do both. You can do both. Somebody needs to hear it in the back. You can do both. You can do both. Oh, I'm wanting to speak in tongues right now. God, the goodness that he has laid up for us. I'm quoting scripture. How great, the scripture said, is his goodness that he has laid up for those that trust him and seek him. 
Somebody say, how great, how great is his goodness. But what is happening right and left is people are choking on his goodness. It just gets too big for them and too rich and too expensive so quickly. And then what they do because of their religious thinking and ignorance of the word, they begin to call good bad. No, that's bad. It couldn't cost that much and be good. That's got to be bad. That's bad. Oh, that's evil. Having a house that nice, having a car that nice, that's evil. But see, these same folks, if you can't imagine to pay that for a car, are you ever going to imagine to sow that into the church? You see, they go hand in hand. The same lessons Phyllis and I learned, believing for our first used car. That's the same principle we believe for church buildings. With you. Is it? Come on, are you listening? And multi-million dollar projects. It's the same thing. And if you won't do it with one thing, you won't do it with the other. And that's what the enemy knows. And he's just endeavoring to keep you so choked and narrowed up in your mind and your heart. That when it gets beyond a certain little level of where you're already at, you start calling it bad. Oh, that's too much. That's too much. Well, you're not going to stop people of faith and vision. They're going to go on. They're going to get it. They're going to have it. You're not going to stop the Caleb's. You're not going to stop the Joshua's. You know why? Because they said it is a good land. It's the best. And God's with us. Hallelujah. And he can make us have it. Hallelujah. And even after 40 years of listening to them calling good evil in the desert at, what was it, 85? He still stood up, Caleb said, give me this mountain. I'm taking it. I'm having it. And him and Joshua were the only two who actually got to enjoy the good land. The ones that called it bad and said it was too much. It was too high. It was too big. They perished out in that dry, desolate desert, never experiencing the plan that God had for them, even though Hebrews says it was prepared from the foundation of the world that they should go into it. That's sad. Somebody say, not me. Not me. me. But what's the change? What has to happen? You have to quit judging people Judging their blessing. Judging what they're doing. Maybe they did reap a big harvest. Do you have any idea what kind of seed they sowed? If their seed eclipses yours, why should you be shocked when they reap something big? And besides that, why should it make you mad? Why should it upset you? Why shouldn't it just thrill you and go, glory to God, if the Lord do that for them? Why wouldn't he do it for me? But you must not call it bad. It's so sad that Christians are calling healing and miracles bad. Oh, stay away from that. Stay away from that. They're calling speaking in tongues and the gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning spirits, faith, miracles, healings, utterance. They're calling it. Oh, I I, better stay away from that. They're calling it bad. Do they need it? How desperately do they need to be able to pray beyond their little peanut head? How desperately do they need to be able to build themselves up on their most holy faith? How how many that have been leaning more on the Holy Spirit would you say, don't even try life without the Holy Spirit? Is there a, don't, don't even attempt it. It's, it's a disaster. You need his help. And one of the ways he helps you is with the gifts of the Spirit. What is showing you things to come? It's a word of wisdom. Leading and guiding you into all the truth can have to do with these other gifts. Don't knock what you don't understand. Don't call it spooky, scary, evil. Stay away from that. If there's any thought in your mind, it could be the Holy Spirit. Watch what you say. Because not only can you get yourself in trouble, you can judge yourself 
unworthy of these precious things. I want to call good what God calls good. If he said it's good, Caleb and Joshua agreed with God. They said it's a good land. It's it's the best. And just like Casey, our little dog. It was good. And it's mine. Come on, somebody say it's good. And it's mine. Oh, somebody needs to say it's good. God said it's good. And it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Whoo, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Go to Romans. I think I can close now. Romans, the eighth chapter. Is this unfolding to you? Is this expanding in you? Boy, boy, it, it is me. I mean, you think you know something a little bit, and you realize, boy, you, you didn't know much. It's so much bigger than you thought. Romans 8. How many remember the man, the people of God, the Old Testament had been disobedient and their enemies have them uh, besieged in the city and people are starving to death for lack of something to eat. And the king said, why wait any, any longer? This is of the Lord. Talking about this evil. This is of the Lord. And so he sent to go kill the prophet. <laughs> he couldn't kill God. The closest thing he could get to was the man of God. So the Lord told the man of God, they're coming. They're coming to get you. So he told them, shut the door. (laughs) They shut the door. And they stood outside to come get him. He said, you go back and tell your king. Tomorrow about this time, food is going to be dirt cheap. Going to be food everywhere in this city, and it's going to be cheap, cheap, cheap. (laughs) And what did the guy say? If God himself opened the windows of heaven, how could it be? And Louis said, no way. No way. That's a bunch of junk. Is he calling something good? Is he speaking disrespectfully, blasphemously, vilifying? So another word came. He said, yeah, it's going to happen all right. And you're going to see it. But you're not going to eat one bite of it. That's what happens to people that call good evil and evil good. They forfeit their place. And you know the the story. Four lepers guys sitting out there waiting to die. They thought, why don't you sit here and die? Let's get up and go out. Uh, They might feed us. If they kill us, we're just dead. We're going to die here too. There's a whole message there. Why sit here and die? (laughs) Right? There's a message there. As they're going out towards the enemy's camp in hopes of getting some handouts, the Lord calls the enemy to hear all this noise of approaching armies, and it scared them so bad, they just ran right out of their tent, left everything. They left all their cooking utensils, all their food, all their clothes, everything. These guys got there, ain't nobody there but them. They went in one tent, got some new clothes, ate a bunch of stuff, went to another tent, got some more clothes, ate a bunch of stuff. They're sitting there with their bellies poking out, go, man, did we make the right call? That's right. How many know if you're willing to have some courage instead of just sitting and feeling sorry for yourself and get up and take a step, God can do miracles for you and you can go from starving to death to a new wardrobe and a full belly. In a few hours. They said, we got to go back and tell everybody about this. It just wouldn't be right. They're starving to death in there. And so they went back and told them. When word got through the city, they couldn't contain the people. They mobbed the gate. And it came to pass that there was so much food out there, it was selling dirt cheap by the end of the day. And the man that said that, he saw it come to pass. But while it was happening, the mob ran over him and trampled him and killed him. So he saw it, but he didn't eat a bite. What? Yeah, whoa, that was some whoa. That was definitely some whoa. I don't want the whoa. I want the wow. And that's all the man would have had to do. 
When the word of the Lord said, I mean, it looked impossible. It looked so bleak. And the word of the Lord said, tomorrow, by this time, there's going to be plenty of food in the city. It's going to be so much food, it's going to be cheap. Tell me what the, is that good? Is that good? God said, I'm going to do this and this is good. What do you say? Wow. Not whoa. Wow. That's great, God. It's good. And it's mine. Huh? It's good. And it's for me. I believe it, Lord. You are God. You can do it. You said it. It'll come to pass. I'm going to get ready. Everybody get ready. There'll be lots of food tomorrow. Cheap food. That's how you see it and get to enjoy it. Romans 8, 28. A lot of you have this one circled. But I want you to see something maybe you hadn't quite seen. I know I, I see it a little differently now. Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for what? For what? For good. For good. To who? And God is good. If you love God, God is good. You love good. Who's going to get the good? According to the verse. The ones that love good. The ones that call good, good. Is God good? Then when you love God, you love good because God is good. Who's going to get the good? Who is God who is good going to cause everything work to work together for good for? The people who love God. Good. Huh? Who's going to get it? Friend, listen. You and I are embarking upon the next phase of our lives and ministries. I believe God has a whole nother level for our living, for our ministries, for our outreach, for our families. We must not scoff and mock at big numbers or big things or what God has done for somebody else. We must not be hypocrites. And just because we don't have it and maybe don't have the faith to get it right now, look at that and scoff and mock and find fault. Well, I just think that's a shame. I don't think that's right. And that's just too much. Well, too much for who? Not them. They got it. Just too much for you. And the problem is, maybe you don't need one of them or don't even want one of them. But that thinking will choke you off in another area. Come on, can you see this? And you don't want to be like uh, Judas standing there when a beautiful thing has happened between the Lord and somebody who loves the Lord with all their heart. Come on, can you see this? And you there with Judas talking about hypocritically. Oh, that's just a waste. That's such a waste. That could have been used for this and for that and the other. You are calling a beautiful thing a bad thing. You are calling a good thing an evil thing. And all you're doing is judging yourself unworthy of it. And the Lord wants you to be involved in some beautiful things. He wants you to be a... How many would like to be on the other side of this? You got the $30,000. And if I want to bust my $30,000 box, what business is it of yours? It's my box. But another thing, before you can bust a $30,000 box, you got to have a $30,000 box. Is that right? Because people say, I wouldn't have such a thing. Exactly. Which is why you will never be able to do a beautiful thing like that. If you find fault with her, nobody said you had to keep everything forever. You just had to pile it upon yourself. Nobody said that. Look at it again. Romans 8, 28. What do you say? We know. Read it out loud with me. We know. All things work together for good. Now, you hear a lot of people say that. They say, well, you know, God's making everything work out for good. Not for everybody. 
It didn't say everything's working out for good. To a specific group of people. Who? Them that love good. God. Good. God. Good. God. Because God is good. He does good. He's only good. He's all good. God is good. All day long. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.